On this week's episode of The Fizz, we get ready for the NHL coming back. And to do that, we welcome former Detroit Red Wing and MSU Spartan, Drew Miller, onto the show. After we talked to Drew about his career in the NHL, his time at MSU, that wicked scar he had across his face, we then move into the NFL where we talk a little Lions, a little Bills. We give you our locks of the week before we move into Over Under. If you are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, don't forget to subscribe or follow. And please, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to write us a review and give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends about this, and we would really, really appreciate it. This is our last one of the year, so I hope you guys enjoy it. But now, let's get into the fizz. Chalk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Chalk with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of The Fizz. Thank you all for joining us today. I hope everyone had a great Christmas holiday. Uh, Doing this for you in between Christmas and the New Year's. Uh, I'm in an undisclosed location in downtown Detroit with my partner, J.U. Colcrick, former MSU and NFL running back. J.U., how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How was your uh, Christmas holiday? Mine was good. You know, it was low-key. The wife and I, we hung out, watched movies, ate good food, ate snacks, everything, and it was was just good and chill. What about yours? Hell yeah, exact same thing. Uh, We chilled, made dinner. It was pretty good. Um, I know you called me the bougie one, and I was just trying to live up to your holiday you call me the bougie one yeah i call it is that that, that i said you called me i mixed that up yeah i call it you are the bougie one and i tried to be bougie on christmas we made some lobster tails some steaks baked potatoes it was real nice it was real nice there you go there you go how do you how do you eat your steaks uh i am pretty like medium rare what do you like them yeah I'm, i'm more on the if i go to a fancy place I will say medium well. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Yes, but it tests it tests a chef. A good chef can still make a well done steak and it's still juicy. That's a spin zone. That's a cold take. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, you, it's, you can't cook that thing at all if it's if you're going somewhere fancy. No. You been to Prime and Proper down here? Down oh here, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. What'd you have them cook it there? They cooked it well and it was delicious. <laughs> and I did not get any. Any grief about it or anything like that. Well, you're not allowed to get grief with the prices they got over there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm um, glad that went well. Uh, did you watch any, what did you watch on Christmas? Did you watch any good shows, any movies, anything like that? Um. Well, I did finally see Four Christmas. Oh, you did? Yes. Do you think it was funny? Mind you, uh, I'm going to rewrite, that's in my top five. Wait, really? Yes. Nice. I, I little, my wife sat and looked at me like I was crazy. I literally laughed out loud. It's funny as hell. Several times. Yeah, I think the funniest part is when they go to her, uh, Reese Witherspoon's, uh, mom's house. With, oh with, yeah. With, with, all, with, with all, the, all the women. Yes. Yeah. With all the women. <laughs> yeah. That one's my favorite, but yeah, that, that's a great movie. It's, it's pretty underrated, but you can normally find it on, uh, it's normally playing somewhere. Around I rented it. Oh, really? I rented it on, on direct TV, rent three ninety nine. rented it well worth every penny. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, let's get into the good news, bad news here. Uh, I can start this time cause I think you started last time. 
Um, so I'll start with the good news. Um, and for me, I recently found out, and I think this is kind of old news, but uh, I'm a little bit of a dork, especially when it comes to Marvel and Spider-Man. And I just found out that all three Spider-Men, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and uh, Tobey Maguire are going to be in the next Spider-Man. So I think it's going to be some like Enter the Spider-Verse type thing. Real nerdy shit, but I'm very excited to see all three Spider-Men in the same film. Out of the three of them, who's your favorite Spider-Man? So I get asked this a lot when Spider-Man comes up, and Toby is the OG, but my favorite is for sure is Tom Holland. Okay. Tom Holland's the best because he is actually like a 15 or a 16-year-old. That's how I would describe it. They right. like went back to the old Spider-Man roots of him actually being a kid. Yeah, that, that's great. I love Spider-Man. Uh, love the movies. Uh, I'm a Tobey Maguire guy. Okay. Uh, the first tattoo I ever had oh, wow. was a Spider-Man tattoo. No way. Which is now covered up. Really? <laughs> yeah. What was it? Like It was a spider web with Spider-Man coming out of it. My buddy, he was a good artist, uh, back home drew it up and I went and I got it uh, on my 18th birthday. Um, yeah, so... I was, I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, but obviously that tattoo's covered up now. That's hilarious. What'd you cover it up with? It's an African tribal tattoo, but if you look in there, you can still see part of Spider-Man's webs coming out of in between the ink there. All right, good, good. At least there's still some tribute to him. Yeah, so, definitely. All right, so what do you got for good news this week? My good news is, you know, people are going to get mad at me again. It's my Buffalo Bills. They swept the New England Patriots for the first time. Since 1999. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're right now they're the number two seed in the AFC. So excited about that. That's my good news. And they just played lights out. Absolutely. On, just like I predicted. On Monday night. They dominated the game. There was never a question. Yeah, that was 20 years of frustration coming out. Exactly. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, no one's going to be mad at you. We're Bills fans here. It's all good. Well, I hope so. I hope, you know, the, the Detroit people are slowly, you know, feeling what it's like. Because Buffalo Bills and Detroit uh, Lions fans, we're similar. We're yeah. one and the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of parody there. So, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I wrote an article about how they're actually similar back in the day. For anybody, I think like 10 people read that article. So if you want to dig that one up, it's, it's on the website somewhere. All right, well, my bad news of the week is sports-related. Number one, uh, you know, the Pistons have started. And I do want to just – I don't know if I want to apologize, but I'm going to apologize. Like, Pistons season started. I haven't even made, like, one Instagram post. I haven't talked about the Pistons at all. And they're bad, eh? 0-4. Oh um, I didn't even know they played four games. What, are you Canadian? Uh, yeah, hey. right? <laughs> well, hey, I'm a hockey, I'm a hockey guy. Uh, I didn't know the Pistons were 0-4. Oh I read that Blake Griffin has a concussion. They just kind of seem like a very sad franchise right now. Um, but I haven't watched one minute, but they are 0-4, so that's my bad news. And the other bad news is I knew nothing about it. <laughs> um, in addition to that, I do just want to note that I was sick of football last week. I was so done with it. Like, lost two of my fantasy leagues. Two guys won that I didn't want to win. Uh, none of my bets went right. Like, I bet against the Jets twice this year, and it was both of the Jets' wins. So that shows you where I'm at with just, like, my football luck and my picks this year. So... That was my bad news. Yeah, that is some bad news. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> my bad news is it's, it's off. It's not sports related, but it's something that I'm passionate about. I cannot since COVID. I cannot find good gas station food. Okay. I'm a big fan of the gas station hot dogs. Those gas station um, 
tort tortilla, whatever those things. Yeah, called. the taquitos. Yes, those yeah, the those, tornadoes. Yes, anything that's oh, on the rolly wheels. That is. So I am a fan of. Yeah, that's some and trash stuff right there, Jay. Love it, yeah. love it. <laughs> I, I when I travel, I go to gas stations and just specifically looking for different types of foods in gas stations. And right now. You can't find any good gas station foods. Yeah, that's haunting. Um, you you have no idea how many, you know, like over under 6,000 rolls on those hot dogs, on those things. You have no clue right. how long that's been sitting there. When we were broke and living in Chicago, me and my roommates used to get pizza from 7-Eleven. And you just had no clue how long it was sitting 7-11 there. 7-Eleven pizza is not bad. Uh, it, it wasn't, but it's also horrible. After a drunk night, uh, and yeah. you can go there, you can have them make you one yeah i know right? they, they've done that too money they, they dust off the freezer burn yes they, yeah it's real it's absolutely money exquisite yeah, i love that stuff <laughs> <laughs> so you can't find that lately because i mean to be honest if you were addicted to gas station food you're probably immune to the coronavirus i hope yeah you, yeah you're probably in the clear you're probably in the clear on that Okay, so now that we have all caught up on our last week, let's talk about some upcoming news. And normally we've been leading with the NFL, but this week, given our prestigious guest, Drew Miller, former Detroit Red Wing, uh, let's talk some hockey, Jay. So we are back January 13th, and the boys, the NHL, the whole hockey, you know, they're, they're hitting it hard. 56-game season, they've realigned all the divisions, People are playing each other within their divisions nine or ten times in a season. Um, and I believe I read that there is 126 days straight of NHL hockey. Guys are only getting like one day's off. This is going to be a zoo. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it just goes to show for the NHL and hockey players. I think hockey players are some of the most athletic athletes, uh, more, more, more skilled than any other sport. That I'll, I'll honestly say that, and it just goes to show, you know, with them, you know, cramming this season right off the heels of what they just had again, which was massively done, the the uh, playoffs, the bubble there that they had, and now they're back at it again. I think um, a lot of sports leagues can learn from this, and it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely be crazy to see. Hopefully, they can expand the roster and they can give guys, you know, some breaks in between there. But you know, this will be a true test. Of you know who a real what a really great team is, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think it's going to be just wild to see because back back in the day, the when the NHL uh, came out of the lockout, they they had put this big emphasis on creating these league rivalries, and you would Red Wings would play like Nashville and St. Louis and Chicago seven times a year, um, and they turned into absolute bloodbaths by the time they're done. Now they're adding like three more of those. I mean, I I think Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, you know, those Canadian teams are playing each other like nine, ten times in a season. And it's just going to be uh, wild to see the fights that break out, the annoyances that break out, and how well these teams are going to know each other. And, you know, I think uh, the NHL is going to have it figured out. But these, you know, the injuries are going to be something. And how well these coaches can coach keeping these guys safe and protected. And I just think it's going to be an absolute wild ride. And I'm excited to see it. And I hope they're able to pull it off without too many snafus unlike the um you know the mlb for example right exactly and uh you know with this it's going to really show who's a really good coach on how he manages yeah. his his roster you know how he puts his guys out there and you know when he chooses to give them rests and everything like that so it's, it's going to be interesting to see i'm excited for it i'm excited for the realignment of the divisions mm -hmm. um you know we're going to jump into that a little bit but uh and and I like I said before, I think uh, the East division is the toughest. Yeah. 
right now. And I, what I'm really, which division I'm really excited for is that North division, mm-hmm. the Canadian division. Oh, there. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it, it's going to be, it's absolutely crazy, but I'm excited. I think that's going to be one of the funnest divisions to watch. Yeah, without a doubt. I think uh, I think everyone's most excited for the Canadian division and, you know, exactly what you said, that East division is a force to be reckoned with. And it's going to be curious to see, too, you know, as these teams emerge from their respective divisions to see the new teams come playoff time you know that'll be interesting too because it's like who is playing in the candy ass division and who wasn't right um you know and it's great that detroit and chicago are going to play a bunch of games hopefully uh you know detroit can actually win some games this year and not be the laughing stock of the nhl because it would be great to renew that detroit chicago rivalry yeah that is something that would be great to renew uh because there's a lot of story and a lot of history behind that and uh it just you know because the proximity of the two yeah. you know for one and just if when both teams are good it just makes hockey that much better right yeah two original six teams it's a lot of fun um But why would anybody take our opinion on this when you can talk to an NHL player? So let's get Drew on the horn, catch up with him, see what he thinks about the upcoming season. And now we welcome on former Red Wing, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Anaheim Duck. Eight seasons with the Red Wings, three years with MSU, grinder forward, shot blocking specialist, and face laceration extraordinaire, Drew Miller. Millsy, what's up, man? Not too much, guys. I appreciate the intro. Um, I think you probably just watched my YouTube clips because um, all I have on there is getting cut with a skate and getting beat up in fights. So thank you for not saying and getting punched in the face guy. <laughs> getting punched in the face guy. I love it. <laughs> um, so I got a question, too. Like, he brought up shot blocking. Like, what does it take? Like, you got to have something like extra in your brain or your mind to be able to just lay out to get, you know, when a puck is coming as fast as it's coming, you know, at you and just, you know, try to block it. What, what, like what goes through your mind at that time? Yeah. You know what? You kind of, you got to enjoy it. You got to want it. And I think that that's the biggest thing you'll see guys that when they're out there playing and, and they line up to block a shot and they don't block it. And, and you, you talk to some of the guys that block shots in the league and, to say the guys that block shots want to block them, and the guys that don't want to block them don't block them. And uh, yeah, it didn't feel good all the time, but I enjoyed my role, and that, that was part of it. So you embrace the whole thing. And uh, towards the end of my career, I played with uh, Luke Glendening, who's still on the team currently, and uh, we killed penalties together, and we played on the same line, and. And we both enjoy blocking shots. And there's there's some shifts. We probably had like 9, 10, 12 blocks each on the penalty kill. And and uh, so we kind of feed off each other. So it's uh, it's part of the rule, but there's a little bit of craziness and madness to, uh, to wanting to do it too. Yeah, it, yeah, I bet. Is that something that you act, you practice or is that something that's just instinct that just happens? Yeah, you know, we, we, we did practice it. And early on in my career, I, I remember in Anaheim, we were practicing a little bit. I mean, you use real pucks, and it was stupid. It would hurt in practice. You're like, really? I'm getting hit in practice? And then when I got to Detroit, we started doing it with tennis balls. Just, it wasn't like hours of practice. It wasn't even that long, maybe five minutes with it. It's all about just, just getting comfortable with getting in the lane and finding that lane, shooting right. lane. Right. And, uh, and then the tennis ball hits you, and, and you're good. It doesn't hurt, but... Once you get into the game, it's one of those things where adrenaline's going and, and you get hit and 
you know once the game's over you're gonna have to put an ice pack on on that one or or you're gonna be walking on with a little bit of a limp if it hits you in the foot but um i think underneath the the jersey and the, and the equipment we had some sneaky little protection pieces that we'd add that most people didn't know about and not in a cheating way just uh hey if it does hit me here i'm not going to be as sore right so we uh we took precautions when it came to that yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i'll tell you one thing jay like at least i know you know on my teams and stuff like when someone blocks a shot it really it, it reminds me of kind of like a big hit on a special teams play or something like that it really gets the team juiced up like blocking a shot is like when you see someone putting your body in front of one, one of a hundred mile an hour slap shot you know it really gets everybody going so that was, that was the one thing I always respected most uh, about your game, Drew. You know, you, you said you got punched in the face a lot. I remember you always just killing penalties and blocking shots, which is, uh, you know, the grinder you were. So really, really respected that part of your game. And I was going to ask a lot of what you just did, Jay. Yeah. Um, you know, so let me go back to, you know, when I first met you, different things like that. We both have a passion for the green and white Michigan state, but it's deeper with you. You get, you get 10 family members that played at Michigan state. So what was that like? It was, so when you were younger and you know, you seen, you know, your brother, you know, play there, you know, all bunch of different family members play it. What's it like something like, okay, I have to, was that like any pressure? Like I have to be the next in line to play there. Or was it like, yeah, I'm going to play there kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously being, the 10th person in my family to play hockey there and starting with my grandpa in the, in the early mid fifties. Um, and just, I have my grandpa, my great uncle, my dad, five cousins, myself and my, and my brother. And to be a part of the legacy at Michigan state, it's, it was truly an honor to pull that Jersey on for the first time and be a part of it and, and, and make my mark as on the Miller, um, name, uh, at Michigan State, and yeah, I think there was a little bit of pressure, but I was just enjoying playing hockey in, in my junior level and, and having so much fun with it that um, I think the controlling what you can control, and I just wanted to go out there and be the best I could be, and and in my mind, I was Michigan State or, or nothing, and but there's there are a lot of other schools out there that are pretty pretty good schools too as options, but I never even thought anything other than hey, prepare yourself to go to Michigan State, and then I was able to sign the, the letter of intent with them, and and then I actually deferred it for a year in the same city, so I signed deferred so I could work out two summers before I came in. So it was uh, it was definitely a dream come true to be a Spartan, and then unfortunately, but fortunately. I left after my junior year to turn pro. Um, so my, my four years was cut short. And, and uh, so it's, you always think back to that and say, man, I wanted to be a Spartan my whole life. And I only went three out of four years. So um, I still got a year of eligibility left. Maybe I'll go back. And- <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can't say it was cut short. It was cut short for a good reason. It's not like it was cut short due to injury or something you know, negative or anything like that. But I got to say, though, dude, like really um, a guy that's not from Michigan, me being from uh, Buffalo, New York, coming to Michigan State, having the opportunity to, you know, hang out with you guys on the hockey team and everything. And there was a time I remember, I got to meet like a bunch of your family members. Um, You know, they were back there and it was just, 
it was just awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Just when looking back at it now, because during the time when I was, you know, in living in the moment there, I probably wasn't mature enough to, you know, sit back and be like, holy shit, look at this. This is a lineage of, you know, athletes have come to this university, left their mark, left a name on this program and everything like that. But, you know, looking back at it now, that's like really something cool. And I don't think that's something that's ever going to be duplicated, duplicated again, you know, 10 family members playing at, at one university. I think that's something that's really cool and something that, you know, you should be proud of and hang your hat on. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely am really proud to be a part of it. And, and I think that, um, we actually just my grandpa that was the first one to come to play at Michigan State just passed away um, not too long ago just at the beginning of uh, the COVID stuff but not from COVID but uh, no I just when he passed away it was just talking to a lot of family members saying how sorry they were and and uh, and I said you know what like he lived a great life and one thing I'll always be appreciative of him is traveling from Regina Saskatchewan to East Lansing, Michigan, to be a Michigan State Spartan, because at that time, he didn't know what he was starting, but he started something great for our family, and it gave us direction and something to to dream for and to be a part of, and I'm so thankful that he did that and it gave me the opportunity to be a part of it. So it's uh, Michigan State, I bleed, I bleed green, and uh, a Sparty for life, and it's something that it's in my family's name now, and and uh, Jay, we share that. And our time at Michigan State was awesome. We had a, yeah, we had a good time, and and uh, that was one of the great things. I thought that the hockey team and the football team and the basketball team and soccer, girls soccer, girls this, whatever. I mean, everyone hung out together and, and got along. We had a we had a good group of, of athletes and people we hung out with. Yeah. And, uh, I, a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And you know the thing that I was just talking about earlier in the show, we're talking about this, um, the the season coming up and just the toll it's going to take on, on the bodies of the players. And I, I told Frank, I was like, I think hockey players are the most skilled players um, in all of professional sports. You know, from being able to skate as fast as you can, stop on a dime, go backwards, go forward, you know, puck control everything like that but I really picked that up when in college in the summertime and this was some of the funnest times um you know a lot of people when they think of college athletes they just see what happens on the game day you know but they don't see what happens behind the scenes I remember in the summertime uh Vork coach Manny we will have we'll be in the in the weight room working out together the football players and the hockey players working out together after that we'll be on the on the turf field there doing relay relay races with do you, you know remember, do you remember the relay race when we, do you remember that yes yes that's place? that's what i'm gonna the say butt, and the hockey guys beat the football guys butt by like eight minutes i that you didn't let me get to that i was gonna give you credit for that yes and that's when i realized like because i think looking at it i was like yeah we're, we're bigger we're faster we're stronger than these guys but you guys really like worked as a team and just absolutely crushed us. And yeah. it was, it was like, wow. But then, you know, the great thing about it was after that was done, you know, we all went, we drank beers together. 
Yeah, we couldn't tell Coach Manny that. No, not not at the time we couldn't tell him that. <laughs> Going to the next day, we had that look like, yeah, okay, let's get to work so we can get out of here. We go play a round of golf and go and drink beer together. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, it was, that's, I think that was probably why we won because we wanted to get to the bar quicker so we knew we had to. <laughs> yeah, the boys wanted to drink. <laughs> yeah, we had to, we had to win the relay race so we could get back, shower, be at the at Luha's for – uh, Long Island iced teas on a Friday from Taco Bar. <laughs> right, right. Uh, shout out to Harry. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> see, see, Frank's wearing his Rick's shirt right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Drew. So so today I, I dug up uh, my Rick's shirt, which I definitely did not purchase or anything. This thing was, like, ripped off the wall or ripped off an actual bartender there. Um, I, so, like, when you were there from 03 to 06, what were, you know, the top, the top spots in East Lansing? Because... Depending on the years you went to Michigan State, you know, everyone has a different answer for this because uh, it seems to just go in rotation all the time. So what were the spots you were hitting the most up there? Yeah, so early on it was it was Rick's, and then oh, yeah. we went over to the Landshark. And yeah. that's actually where I met my wife. So, oh, really? Yeah. And we, uh, she worked at the Landshark, and then when we got married, we went down there after our reception at the Marriott and uh, partied down there. Uh, took the cup there. Oh my seven. god! <laughs> what else? Yeah, so shark balls. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, did you put shark you... balls out of the cup? Yeah, did you really? You had the gummies in the oh, in the yeah. cup. All the gummies and everything. Yep. That's and unreal. Then, uh, Luhas, the old Luhas though, in the corner across from the Marriott, MAC, and yeah, that right was there. that was when Luhas was like, you know, it was just it was little. It wasn't, you know, like it didn't go commercial. It was just. The right crowd and everything like that. Yeah, so we we have some good spots that that we hung out. So it's uh it's changed. Downtown's changed so much now. It's a whole um, different place. Yeah, so it's a little different. I think there's a little bit different uh, hangout spots now, but um, yeah, those are those are our spots. So Drew, so Drew, I wanted to ask you about that Stanley Cup in 07. Um, this is one thing I learned about you today, uh, just looking this up. I had no idea that you got called up first time in the NHL was the playoffs. And yeah. so you played only three NHL games and then won the Stanley Cup. Is that correct? Yeah, I rolled the dice pretty well, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was my, my first year pro. I played the whole year in the minors in portland maine and then the last game of the season they sat me out and said you're gonna go up tomorrow to anaheim who's just started their first round of the playoffs um against minnesota so i sat out the last game 80 of the of the so i played 79 out of the 80 games so i sat out the last game flew to minnesota took warm-ups um in that game and then played the next game so my first game was the playoff game that we uh, we beat Minnesota to win the first round series, and then my my second and third game uh, were game one and two of the Stanley Cup Finals because uh, Chris Kunitz uh, broke his hand and wasn't back yet, so I got a chance to play in the Stanley Cup Finals for two games. Um, my first year pro, so I played in the finals. So I got my name on the cup, got my day with the cup and played three games and it's kind of funny ironic that um first year pro you win the cup michigan state had just won the national championship and then i have my cup party 
and all my cousins that played in the NHL are there, and they didn't win a cup, and those guys played um, IHL, AHL, and NHL, and they all played over like six, 700 games in NHL, and they all played like over 1,200 games pro, and never won the, the Stanley Cup, so they were like, Three games? You kidding me? Three games. So, <laughs> That's honestly incredible. Yeah, it's right place, right time, and and uh, very fortunate to be a part of Anaheim's organization. Then uh, the team we had that year, uh, some amazing players, some Hall of Famer players. So it was uh, pretty special to be a part of that team. Did, didn't you guys beat? Is that the, you guys beat the Wings in the conference final? Didn't you? Yep. Yeah, that was yep. Team Misalani stole the puck. In Detroit, fake forehand with backhand, shelved it, and, uh, and won it in overtime. And then we went back to Detroit and won, or the to Anaheim and won the series there. And uh, then went to the finals versus Ottawa. So that's pretty incredible. And that, and I was actually going to ask you. You said you got your name on the cup. Um, I kind of, I feel like those regulations and rules have kind of changed. Were you voted to get your name on the cup, or is it because you played? Uh, one game in the playoffs, you got your name on the cup, or how do, how does that work? Do you know? You have to, you have to have. If you play a game in the finals, then you get, then you're in. That's it. Yeah, and then it, I think it's like there's like George Peros uh, was on my team, and it was awesome. I yeah. picked his gloves up a lot of times. <laughs> and uh, so. I don't think I think he didn't play like I think it's like 50 games or something like that and then I don't know what he played in if he played much into the, in the playoffs but something like that I think they 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 said hey we're adding him on for sure I mean he's such a big important piece of the team and, and put yeah. his body on the line night after night um, and he was just a beauty and he was just an absolute yeah. beauty yeah he's got the stash and <laughs> yeah he's an awesome Awesome, dude. He was an icon. So, uh, Drew, um, going to that that season, wasn't it almost? Didn't Buffalo play Ottawa before? To, no, that, or was that before? That was the, I think that was the year. Was that the year before? before. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I can't okay. remember who Buffalo or who Ottawa played to get to the finals. I, I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to. Th- I think it might have been Buffalo. Was it? Yeah, because sure. I remember talking to your brother, who was the goalie for the Sabers, and then I was like, "Dude, like, how would it have been?" It was after the fact. Like, I was like, "How would it have been playing against your brother in the Stanley Cup?" And he's he and, he, and the word I remember specifically, he was like, "It it would have been weird." <laughs> how how do you think that would have been? You know, your brother's had a great career. You know, in you're right, it was. Y- yeah. Ottawa beat Buffalo four games to one. Yeah, that's what I remember. And then I was – because I, I remember him and I were at dinner in Buffalo, um, and we were talking about it, and I was like, dude, how you know how would that have been? And he said, that would have been weird. On your end, how would that have been for you? I mean, obviously it would have been great for your family, you know, been great for both of you guys, but, like, just playing against your brother. Yeah, I know it's – it would have been, I think, in that kind of situation, playing in the Stanley Cup Finals against, against my brother would have been – it would have been a, a weird feeling. Like obviously, I root for my brother. Um, I played against him a lot of times in my career. But when it's something like that that you both dream about your whole life and you both want to win, um, obviously I would want to win for myself. But I would, I would want my brother to be successful as well. So it would be a weird feeling. 
Um, I think just because I didn't, I was on a regular on the team uh, for the regular season. and only played limited amount during the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was all around. It was a great experience, but it was definitely when you, when you win something like that, you want to have that feeling when you're you're on the team all season long and and, and be a contributing factor throughout the whole playoffs. Right. Exactly. Uh, well, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, as as far as my brother, I mean, I definitely, when it comes down to it, I'd say this to his face: it's it's me or him. It's it's definitely me. I'm winning. <laughs> well, yeah, of yeah. course. I'm sure he would say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the, Har- yeah. the Harbaugh's had to coach against each other in a Super Bowl. You know, right. you know and it, it was it was one or the other. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you this too, Drew. Like, just kind of looking at some of the uh, similarities uh, just between you and Justin Applicator a little bit. Does he? Does Justin give you shit for leaving state and then him winning the the national title? Has he ever kind of razzed you for that? No, he's no. He's <laughs> never razzed me for that. Abby's we're me and Abby are good buddies, and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean the fact that he won that, and then and then when he went to the right. Rings, he won a cup. So and he had a uh, he had a similar kind of. You know, I mean, he didn't. He kind of got called up in that finals as well in 08, right? I mean, he only played a couple games, isn't that right? Yeah, he only played a couple. So, yeah, it's it's you know what though, you take it at, at this level, you you see there's there's guys that play and have amazing careers and don't win the Stanley Cup, and and then there's guys like myself who played three games in the right <laughs> place at the right time. So whenever you get to be a part of it, you just gonna make the most of it and. Even if your contribution is not the whole season or, or every game, you still um, contributed in, in some way to, to be a part of it. So it was it was an amazing experience, and I'm sure Abby would say the same thing. And and uh, Abby, he knows if uh, he razzed me too much, I I give him a little headlock. And take care of <laughs> <easily>. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. You know. You said, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Um, but that's all with all professional sports. And, I, you know, from playing, you know, in the NFL myself, I know it's about being in the right place at the right time. Um, I wasn't fortunate enough to jump on a team and, you know, a couple of weeks later we're in the Super Bowl. But we did play in the AFC title game. But there, And it would hit me different times because growing up as a child – you want to be a professional athlete. You want to do this. You want to do. You want to win Super Bowls. You want to win Stanley Cups. Everything like that. But did it hit you? Because for me, it would hit me like at weird moments that I was a pro. For example, when I was with the Jets, I'll be taking a shower, coming out, and and drying off, and I'll find myself like, "Holy shit, I'm playing in the NFL!" Like, when did it like hit you? Did you get moments like that yourself? Um. Yeah, I, I think some of the situations I had and uh, scenarios for me were were walking into locker rooms for the first time. Uh-huh. And, and I've done it so many times in my career where you either get traded or, or come to a new team or you get called up or whatever it is. Um, and walking into the uh, Ducks locker room and walking into the Red Wings locker room for the first time. And seeing my jersey on in front of a stall and, right. and putting the jersey on in Detroit for the first time and looking around at the, the guys in my locker room and I'm like holy shit like dude I, I watched these guys growing up and now I'm pulling this jersey on for the first time and there's Lidstrom there's Edelberg there's Dadsuk 
there's Maltby, Draper, Osgood. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things like you're looking around like, I can't believe I'm in the NHL. Like that, it, it's those moments that I really did it. Um, when I was in the shower, Ju, I was probably just taking a shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, just get the sweat off. But, um. Well, I mean, it's different for different people, but you know, I totally get that fanboy moment. Um, and you got it in the shower. No, I didn't. Not all the time. Not all but, the time. Uh, you know, but sometimes. Like, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. When I was drying off, not in the shower. Yeah. When I was drying off, two different things. But uh, you know, my first year, I was playing on a team with Brett Favre. Like you said, you, it's like, holy shit, you know, I grew up watching this guy. And yeah. growing up, too, I was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And we played them in the AFC title game. And during warm-ups, I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, that's Palomalu. That's this, that's that. You know, did you ever get a fanboy moment, like, when you, when you were playing? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think you, you line up, like, being on the penalty kill, you line up against some guys. And I think it was like earlier on in my career. Right. Then once you, you kind of get more as a veteran guy and play a certain amount of games, uh, you're still well aware of who you're playing against. Right. But I don't want to say that they aren't important anymore because they're obviously really good players in the league, but you've done it so many times that, and it's not just once a week, like football, which I don't think I could play a football game more than once a week, but in hockey, you're playing three or four games a week and um, you got new teams, new players, this and that. And, yeah, I mean, it kind of wears off a little bit, but there's some players that it would never wear off, and I was always excited to play against them. Right. Um, but one player that I never got to play against, but was in the organization in the management role, was Steve Eiserman. And when I was with when I was with Anaheim, and we were playing in Detroit in '07. I didn't play in that series, but I took warm-ups every single game. So I go take warm-ups get undressed, do a workout, and then I put my suit on and I'd go up and I'd watch in the standing room only area just so I could feel the crowd and be a part of it during a playoff game. And I was walking up underneath to go to the elevator to go up to the to that level. And I walked by Eisman right when the first period was starting. He was walking towards the to, towards the locker room. And he played with my cousin Kevin. He knows who I am. And I'm like, oh, like just got choked up and like, Hey, Mr. Eisenman, how you doing? And <laughs> and I, I and he was like, no, you're not in tonight. Keep going. You'll get there, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, couldn't even say anything. I was so, like, like starstruck. And, um, and I've had some, some interactions with him still to this day, as obviously as the GM and, and going to the GM booth and seeing him and some of the, my former teammates and, and uh, see him around the rink, have more conversations with him. I still get that feeling a little bit. Like I can't believe I'm talking to Steve Eisman right now. And uh, so it's it's little things like that that are so cool. But I mean, the Wings organization has such a great history that I mean, we'd see Gordy Howe before he passed, Ted Lindsay before he passed. And those guys were, were staples in our locker room. So to see those guys, guys that kind of really built the, the organization, the reputation, uh, to have those guys around. It was it was pretty pretty amazing to have them around and, and to be able to just be friendly and talk to them. So it was uh, I mean moments like that I'll never forget. Right, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, Drew. Uh, I mean, Steve Eiserman's absolutely like my hero. Like I'm, you know, pretty big fanboy of his. Like you know, he's my favorite athlete, kind of icon of all time. So you know, I could imagine I could imagine that feeling. 
Um, absolutely. And, you know, you got to feel – so you, you did grow up a Red Wings fan, right? I mean, that's – I've obviously picked that up. Yeah, I, I grew up a Red Wings fan, but you know what? One of my, my favorite player was one of the enemies, so he was a Colorado Avalanche. You're going to say – you're going to say Sackick. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, so I love Sackick. And so I, I'm more of a I'm more of a player fan than a team fan. Um, so I obviously liked the Red Wings. They had amazing teams when I was younger to watch. and But I definitely was a fan of the Avalanche because of Sackick as well. So, um, Just... but you know. Just for the record, my favorite Avalanche was Patrick Waugh. This is horrible. Yeah. All this is all this is horrible news. What? He's a good goalie. He's a damn as good goalie. Don't say call them you, then we're good. Yeah, right. Exactly. That, that's fair enough. I let it all slide. So, uh, Drew, would love your thoughts just on uh, this upcoming season. Um, obviously, it's starting uh, in a couple weeks here, January thirteenth. Fifty-six game season. All the divisions are realigned. There's teams playing each other nine, ten times in a year. Uh, you know, 106, 126 straight days of hockey, something like that. Uh, just kind of, you know, wonder what your thoughts are. And, you know, if you were a player, you know, how are you mentally kind of preparing for, uh, you know, this, this shortened but accelerated season here? Because I, I have a feeling it's going to be a real testament to focus and uh, conditioning. Yeah, it's it's going to be challenging. I'll tell you that. We had the shortened season in the last lockout, um, and you're pretty much playing every other day, and and you eat, sleep, and play hockey, and it's it's fun from that standpoint. But it's everything else is kind of pushed to the side. So I remember my wife's like, "Well, you're home, but you're really not home." Um, so it's it's uh, it's going to be challenging from that standpoint of just keeping your body. Uh, ready to go, mentally being ready to go. And then I think with the COVID situation, we're not really sure how that's going to really take effect to, to certain players and, and teams and, and how the, if that kind of hits a team a little bit, how that's going to affect uh, affect them. I mean, you, you look at the Red Wings, if let's say Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi all get COVID, man, you're without your first line for 10 days. Right. That's That could be... It can be a decent amount of games in a 56 game schedule. So, and then are they going to come back healthy? Are they going to come back ready to 100% play? So it's it's a it's a lot of unknowns still. But I'm excited that hockey's going to be back. Um, I was actually texting with Glendening last night, saying good luck and and, uh, and and see how he prepared for the season. And he's like, dude, I've been ready to go for like nine months. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that those guys are hungry to to get out there and. I think that the Wings are gonna are, are gonna surprise some people this year. Um, I think that the expectations are still pretty low for them, but I, I don't I don't think that the expectations are that low for the guys in the locker room. And I, I think you look at their lineup up and down. I think they've made some good additions, and I think that the guys that were there last year are really really motivated and hungry to 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 right the ship and and not be the team that is horrible in last place. They want to they wanna get back to winning and, and having fun. And then, yeah, guys like Bobby Ryan, Mestikov, um, uh, you had uh, the two defensemen, Merrill and Stetcher, uh, and then Gracie and Nett. I think you get some you get some balance up and down your lineup with some good veterans, some good young guys, and Sedina. 
So I think there's a lot to be excited about for the Wings. So I, I don't think it's going to be as bad as people think. Yeah, and you know, I I would tend to agree, and I want to agree with you. You know, you got a lot of young guys fighting for positions, um, and you know, this year, uh, Iserman and the management they got rid of a lot of uh, people. So you know, he's kind of showing that he's not afraid to move people. So I think people will be playing with a spark under him. And then, you know, kind of like you said, like I think the Wings are a lot of those guys are embarrassed by last year, and they're just really eager to kind of you know start fresh and kind of leave that last season behind them. So. You know, I, I hope they, you know, it's not one of those where they just come out real hot. Because um, I think the last three years or so they've come out, you know, 3-0, and 4-0. and And then they, you know, it tends to level out. So we'll see. But definitely there's a lot, there's going to be a lot to watch. Whether, you know, it's good, bad, whatever. We're going to get to look at a lot of young players, I think, and see um, how the picks and the signings are doing. So I'm excited for that part for sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I think I think there's gonna be some good growth in the guys that were some of the younger players from last year. Some of the guys have already been playing over in Europe. Some of those younger guys um, that were on the team last year. So I think that experience and just uh, given that um, little jump start on everyone else that they already have real game uh, situations already going, and, and other guys need to catch up. So I think that. Um, yeah, I hope they start out hot in a 50 game, 56 game schedule, and I hope that they can get some wins and, and get some positive. Because I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes when you're losing, you get behind the eight ball, and it, it's easy to kind of fall into that. Holy crap! Here we go again. And if you can get some positive, uh, some wins, and, and get a little bit of momentum, you'd be surprised because they got some talent and they got hungry players and. Uh, it's, it's not like they're getting blown out every single night. They had some close games. So if they can uh, get on the right side of those close games, I think that uh, they're, they're going to turn some heads and, and surprise some people for sure. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. So one more one more question here uh, before you know we wrap up. And I'll let oh, no, I got some good questions okay, left. You, this is, yeah, he's asking the serious ones. So for so Iserman says he's naming uh, – he will name a captain this year. He, he said that pretty recently. Um, do you think it's ever, you know, everyone and their mother thinks it's going to be Larkin. Do you think number one, it definitely is going to be Larkin. Number two, do you think, you know, Stevie's putting this off as, you know, some, some gamemanship, some competitiveness, like some mind messing with their minds, or do you think it's just, uh, he's still evaluating? No, I don't think he's messing with anyone's mind. I think, uh, I think it's going to be Larkin. I don't know for sure. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's the obvious choice. I think that he's shown that he's ready for it. I think that I think that the guys in the locker room expect that too. Um, he, he's he's a leader on the ice, off the ice, in the community, and he's a good kid. He loves the game of hockey, and uh, I think that he uh, he's the right choice for it. So I don't think there's any mind games. I just want I think that Iceman was just evaluating and wanted to make sure that. Um, that Larkin was ready for that next step, and he's not that old. I mean, he, he came in as a as a young kid, so he's he's still fairly young. And uh, I think the responsibility in the NHL to be a captain, especially for original six team and the Red Wings, um, it, you got to make sure that they can, can shoulder all that comes along with it, especially with uh, how things are going. It's it's tough times right now, and the captain has to answer for everything. So. Um, I think there's a little bit more added pressure there, but I think Larkin's up for it, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't, we'll see how uh, when Stevie decides to, to air it out to the to the public. 
Right, yeah. Obviously a big decision here in Hockey Town to go from, you know, Iserman to Lindstrom to Zetterberg, you know, the next in line there, some big shoes to fill. So I was just curious to get For your sure. opinion. All right, Drew, I got some good questions for some hard-hitting okay. questions. Like, hard-hitting questions. All right? You ready? All right. Question ready. one, the best city to play in, other than Detroit. Detroit. Don't, other <laughs> than Detroit. Woo, no, that's the answer. You can't Next be a question. homer. Next question, like, Jay. Other than Detroit. Next like, question, the, the funnest uh, city to be. Best arena? Best arena? I'd say Chicago. Uh, the national anthem there is amazing. It's pretty lit. Better, better than uh, Toronto? The, have you ever heard the National Anthem of Chicago? Uh, no, I have uh, not. The guy's like a opera singer almost. He's like 6'8", this humongous military dude that comes out and just belts it and the whole crowd screaming, clapping, yelling. <laughs> it, it gets the blood going, man. It's it's pretty amazing. Okay, Chicago. Okay, what about the worst worst arena? The play-in? Yeah. Uh, probably Florida Panthers, dude. Um, I will tell like nine. 90% of the fans were Detroit, which was nice. It was like a home game in, in Florida, but uh, not sold out usually. And one time the glass broke and they had to put a, a plywood sheet in. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, everyone had the, if you could go on Google and put plywood sheet, Red Wings versus Panthers, it would come up and Jimmy Howard would be in that. <laughs> and dude, everyone had to move out of their seats because they couldn't see. Right. So, <laughs> Just think that there's that many open seats that everyone can move right? and, and still see. <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, I was going to say, because I remember when we were in Florida, it was me, Caleb, Drew, uh, Stanton, not you. We were there, we watched, we were at a Panthers game, and it was absolutely a bore. That was the worst arena. But I'd say the funnest arena that I've been in, other than the... I still call it the HSBC Arena, the Hot Sauce Blue Cheese Arena in Buffalo. <laughs> but uh, the Shark Tank in San Jose, I thought that was pretty fun. Oh, yeah, the Shark Tanks. That's, they, yeah, they, they love their hockey there. It gets, it gets rowdy. And I played in some good uh, playoff series against, against them. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough arena to play in. Yeah, definitely. And then, so my next – I got two more questions for hard-hitting questions. I got – I wouldn't be – you know, people would be like, why didn't you ask about it when you, the skate to the face. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I got lucky, very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, it was, I don't even know, I mean, they basically couldn't believe that uh, I didn't cut my eyeball. Um, I didn't know for about 15, 20 minutes, but when it happened, I didn't know where it actually hit me. I thought it hit me in the neck at first. The skate, the skates are so sharp. And it was like, I think it was like the second shift of the game and it hit me. And I I felt like that burning sensation. And I was like, okay, this is not good. And I'm like, I know the doctors sit behind our bench. I'm like, I got to get there. Cause I'm not bleeding out on the ice in front of all these people. Right. So I got up, I skated off the ice, almost got hit with a a puck. by. uh, (laughs) <laughs> the defense in Ottawa, and got to the bench. They gave me a towel, Gatorade towel, put it on my eye, and went down the the hallway to the to the doctor's room. And it was like it was like in the movies. He took it off, and blood was like flying everywhere. Oh, and you yeah, wore an gross. eye shield too, didn't you? You had a shield. Yeah, yeah, you wore I a half half shield. Yeah, but it came from underneath. Right. So it was. Uh, yeah. So it was about fifteen minutes, and they started 
slowly pinching it off and trying to get the bleeding under control. And, and, uh, it was like an hour and a half of, of getting sewn up and, and, uh, got done and the guys are going out for the third period. And I sat up and I started tying my skates and, uh, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Hey, the third period just started and we're playing for playoffs here. So I've got to go out. She's like looking at the doctor, like what? You're going to let him go out there. <laughs> and, uh, so halfway through time my first skate up uh and i have not sat up for an hour and a half the blood started pooling by my eye and the, they kind of finally convinced me that i shouldn't go out and play but i came to practice the next day in practice and i played the day after that so wow it was uh hockey guy yeah yeah that wanna, that's absolutely crazy that's a hockey guy that's how we do it jay that's how we do it you said we. You played hockey in high school. Yeah, I was, like, I, yeah, I was toughing shit out then too. Dude, like I had, a, I had, a, Drew. Do you know I had a good Hold roller on. hockey before career? You get, before you get going on your roller <laughs> hockey career, uh, Drew, I did want to. I do want to let you know that on the account, um, I I post you and your scar or your cut or the video or some variation of it. I find a new angle of a picture every year, and you get posted on Halloween. You're my Halloween post every year. Um, so I want you to know that. scaring people? Yeah, a little bit. You're, 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 it's like the scariest Detroit injury, uh, you know, I can think of besides maybe, uh, when Draper got hit by Lemieux. So you two are kind of my, like, you know, my scary hockey post, my scary Halloween post every year. Just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm very honored to be here. Scary <laughs> <picture>. <laughs> All right. So my last question is this, because, um, it's about Mike Babcock. All right. I was really pushing, and he. I liked him as a coach. Um, really thought, like, wow, this guy's great. And then there was an opportunity for him to go to Buffalo, and he kind of swerved Buffalo. Um, and then, by the way, too, I became a – I was a Sabres fan because of your brother because uh, I grew up a Penguins fan. Uh, and then when your brother was there, I beca- became a big Sabres fan for that. And then I just stuck it out with the Sabres. But then Mike Babcock was going to go there, and I think he swerved them for a contract to negotiate so he can get a higher deal in um, Toronto. And then when he was fired from Toronto, like, then stuff started coming out, how much of an asshole he is. Is he an asshole? No. Babs Babs had a certain way about him. And, uh, yeah, he – I I enjoyed playing for him. I thought he was a really good coach. Um, systems and attention to detail and practices. Um, I think I would tell him to his face that Babs, you're you're a little bit of an asshole sometimes to some people, for sure. Um, I I think that the whole Franzen thing, I was there for all that, and I had no idea that was going on. So um, it wasn't something that was some team public knowledge. Right. Uh, It was really behind the scenes. So didn't really know it, and I was – it was – a shock to me when all of it came out. But, yeah, I think just in today's in today's game, the old school mentality of coaching, the intimidation and um, really kind of keeping them below you is, is over. And I think that you'll see a lot of the younger guys that are the superstars in, in the leagues now, they won't put up with it. So the, the coaching style has, has changed, and I think Babs just kind of got stuck in that old school mentality mentality old school coaching way and got exposed on it so um yeah i mean i I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that went on but 
I don't think he's the only one that was doing that. Doing that. That's that was the old school coaching way. Right, and you know my biggest gripe with him was how he, what he did to the Sabers. I was excited for him to coach the Sabers, and uh, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know obviously yeah, you know, he uh, he must have played his cards well there and, and used it to. to to get some more money. Yeah, that's that's uh, all he did. That's exactly what he did because they offered him the posi- the job, and then so he went to Toronto. Like, well, they're giving me this. If you want me to come there, you got to give. And then you know, two weeks later or so, he he's the new coach of the Leafs, and you know that and that's that's that hits Sabres fan hard, especially going to Toronto when you come when it's the cheapest ticket the Leafs fan can get is in Buffalo, so. That that hit them really hard, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. Drew, uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, no look look for um, look forward to you know catching up with you, beating you in golf this summer. Um, if you oh, don't yeah. if you don't use your kid as an excuse this time. <laughs> yeah, Drew. Thanks a lot for uh, thanks, COVID. Yeah, yeah, anything you got. Uh, yeah, Drew. Thanks a lot for coming on. I uh, really, really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, you were helping Blue Cross Blue Shield out with something, um, and I was like working for Blue Cross Blue Shield as an intern. We actually met you there. Uh, you were great then. I know you do a ton with like. If you know this, you don't remember Frank. From yeah, Frank? yeah. From, well, because he does so much volunteer work. Teams for Toys, Dares, Special Olympics, Spartan Buddy Program. The Buddy Program is one of my favorites, dude. That Buddy Program is one of my absolute favorites that you started that at Michigan fun. State. Oh yeah. Yeah. So thanks for all you do. Thanks for representing uh, the Sparties the best, the Wings the best, and thanks for doing this. Um, and thanks for you know talking about your face laceration for probably about the 80,000th time in your life. Well, it's all right, guys. I appreciate you having me on and uh, and having me on the show. So, very cool. And uh, you guys have a, a happy new year. And, hey, here's to 2021 being way better year for everyone. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Take care. You too. See you guys. See, See you. Okay, and that was our interview with the grinder, Drew Miller, former Detroit Red Wing NHL player and Stanley Cup champion, which I did not know. Three games to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, and I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you, Jay. I get, I get, uh, I get pretty jealous of my career choice not to be a professional athlete when you, you and other professional athletes start riffing about your good times. You know, <laughs> so it's bummer that I didn't make that career choice uh, and I went a different route. But you know, in another life, I'd probably be a professional athlete. Well, in another life, I'll probably want to do something different. So no, we, you, we can trade. No, you wouldn't. You would trade. That's not true at all. <laughs> no, don't it's even not. Lie. Yeah, not it's at not. all. Yeah, no. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, so let's move into the NFL very quickly here. Uh, I am. I will be completely honest with you, Ju, and everyone listening out there. I didn't watch much football this weekend. I normally hit this point in the season a little earlier, but this year, just with uh, MSU being pretty bad, the Lions being absolutely terrible. I, I told you guys last week, just an absolute horrific end to my fantasy season. Lost another bet Sunday. I was just like, you know what? I am not going to sit for nine hours and watch all the football this week. So saw some family, hung out for the holidays, but I am ready for just the playoffs to start. I just need like a reset with football. I probably won't watch. I mean, maybe I'll watch it, sit and watch week seven, uh, 17 here, but... I have I have pretty low interest besides a couple of games. What are you talking? We got some good games. I know on we week do. 17. I, I know. I feel I'm a sports guy. I love sports all my heart. I am just so down on my football right now. 
you're down on your football because you're down in your wallet. Yeah, 100%. That's that's where it is right now. But we got some good games in Week 17. Yeah. Uh, excited about it. Yeah, no, I got you. So uh, let me just cry for one more time here. The Lions uh, absolutely got pathetically blown out on national television. Uh, only game on TV at the time. They lost like 47-7, I believe. Stafford was out uh, right away. Uh, and the Lions requested to play this game on Sunday because of the COVID issues they had throughout their whole team. League said no. Um, this doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and I just, like, you just see this always happen to the Lions. You know, the Lions can't move a game from Saturday to Sunday, but the Ravens were able to move a game from Sunday to Tuesday. Well, in in speaking, you know, not in fairness to the Ravens or disfairness to the Lions, it was it's based off players. Yeah. It's based off players. It's not the coaches. It was the issue with the Lions. They yeah. had a bunch of coaches that were out and everything like that. And this game was like, I got to say, this was not like an NFL game. Usually in a blowout. Uh, for example, when the Bills blew the Patriots out this weekend, Josh Allen was in until the fourth quarter. Yeah. This week, Tom Brady did not play the entire second half. It was insane. And he had, and his first half numbers looked like he played an entire game. Exactly. They're pathetic. The Lions are pathetic. Are you seeing, like, this is something I feel like if you weren't living here now and you weren't on this podcast and, you know, I wasn't forcing you to watch the Lions, like, you might see that and go like, oh, wow, they're really blowing them out. Not think about, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, now I feel like I'm making you, like, get involved in this franchise. Like, do you like? Isn't it? It's pretty crazy. I mean, forty-seven. I I think a ten-point game is borderline a blowout in the NFL. A forty-point point blowout, like that's just not showing up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, because before I came on board to this show, I probably would be a hundred percent honest. I've watched probably three, four Lions games okay. in my life. <laughs> yeah, what like two of them you played in? <laughs> <laughs> but then I came on. So every time I take to okay, I have to watch what the Lions have do so we I have something to talk about on right. the show. And this week is just, it's absolutely pathetic. It's pathetic. It is pathetic, the product <laughs> that's out on the field. Um, you know, the fans deserve better. I don't know if it's the fans or if it's the, if it's the players. I know the players are playing. The players are playing the best. The players are out there trying. I will, I will for everyone that says, you know, teams – you know, tank, you know, for better draft picks, everything like that. That's complete bullshit. There's n every time that I've been, and I've only been on one winning team in my five-year career. Okay. My sec uh, second year with the Jets when we played in the AFC title game. Every other year, by week eight, nine, you're planning your vacation mm -hmm. for the end of the season. But there was never a time, I know going into week 16, going into week 17, you're jacked up, ready to play. Yeah. There's never a time you're thinking, oh, you know, let's get a better draft pick. Players don't think like that because they want to be there. They don't want a young cat coming in, taking mm -hmm. their position. Yeah, there's always a job to play for. Exactly. I mean, that, that's proven by the Jets the last couple of weeks. Exactly. Been, and you see that. Boys. But, you know, the players are out there giving it the best. But I think they just put in shitty positions to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just think there, I think there really is just like – uh, a uh, a toxic losing culture there right now. I mean, I really do. Um, so I sent you that link. Uh, Lions fans, go on ESPN. They got like this carousel of coaches where you can slide through about what coaches the Lions would hire and which one has the highest grade. Pretty fun. Go check it out. It's on ESPN right now. Um, you can match a coach with the Lions and they'll give it a grade. Um, it's pretty stupid, but it's kind of entertaining to play with. So go check that out. 
Lions lose. They are pathetic. They are eliminated from the playoffs. That is pretty much all I got for you guys on that. But on the other side of things, fun note, uh, your Bills yes. blew out blew out the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium. You said it would be a closer game. I thought this blowout was coming. I said it was coming. I said they were going to beat the brakes out of them. A lot of uh, pent-up anger here. It kind of felt like, I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones Thrones fan, uh, Jay, or have watched it, but it kind of felt like uh, Jon Snow finally getting to beat up Ramsey for the first time <laughs> after all those years of torment. No, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Okay. You know, forgive me. No, it's okay. But this totally felt like years and years of pent-up frustration from a kid that's been bullied all his life yep. and now finally he found out what a dumbbell was he found out what a barbell was yeah he got bigger stronger faster yeah and now he's taking it to totally cobra kai yeah. on this here yeah yeah <laughs> this right? is eminem beating up his stepdad exactly you know? exactly but um you know this is so great for the for the bills uh bills mafia bills fans all over the place and my biggest thing was you know, the Bills had a commanding lead going into halftime. And I said, please, Coach McDermott, do not take your foot off the gas. And he did not. He, didn't. he continued to go out. And it just showed. You could see the difference. How much fun the Bills players were having on the field. When Lee Smith caught that touchdown pass. And the lineman went and did a single leg takedown and pinned him in the end zone. That's having fun. Yeah. And you know your team has come together, has gelled well, and having a great time when you do stuff like that. Everyone's a part of the action, and everyone's having a great time. I'm so happy for the Bills fans. But next week, I got a strong, strong, strong message for the Buffalo Bills team. What is it? I can't tell it till next week. Oh, okay. Gotcha. 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 I thought that's you a were... little tease. All right, yeah, gotcha. Damn, I was getting excited. You got me all juiced up. I yeah, wanted it. I wanted that's, it right that's now. the point of a tease. I got it. Well, yeah, you teased me. I'm fucking teased. All right, fucking tease. So that was that was great. Yeah, I mean, you. I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, Josh Allen and uh, Diggsy before the game, fucking dicking around with each other. You know, Diggs is normally kind of a standoffish kind of dude, or maybe that's just how the media has portrayed him because all he's been in Buffalo is just seems like a fan favorite. He's him, having fun. Yeah, him and Josh he's Allen. He's having fun. Yeah, Bills Mafia is a lot of fun. Uh, to be around right now. There's a lot of good memes going around. Uh, It's hard not to be a Bills fan, honestly. Uh, So good for them. And, you know, Lions fans, like, one day, like, this is what I hope just one day that the Lions do this at Lambeau Field to the Packers. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, you you guys have had a little more success than us, but that's a lot of years of being, you know, the little guy in that division. So now that we've touched on our two teams – uh, let's talk about our locks of the week. Last week, uh, I actually hit one. Uh, ding, 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 yeah, ding. Finally, the Saints covered a six and a half spread over the Minnesota Vikings. I think it was like 52 35. That game was an absolute zoo. So I did hit. No, zero defense. Yeah, none. None at all. JU keeps his streak alive, has not hit his lock of the week yet. Put it all in the Eagles, and the boys just rolled. The Eagles, that division, man, they have a lot of work to do over there. That's why they call the least. (laughs) That's true. So this week, uh, moving into our locks of the week this week, J.U., who do you got in week? Well, real quick, real quick, sorry, before we do locks of the week, uh, 
I didn't realize, to be honest, that the Bears still had a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something I did not. The Bears are going. That's, no, they're not, right? They If they lose, they're out. If they lose out, but they're going to win. Okay, so is that, so go ahead. Is this your, is this a good? That segue? is not my lock. Oh, damn, I was I was hoping for that. I was hoping to tease you into that. If Big Dick Nick was under center, yeah, right. That would be my lock. Yeah, for sure. But Trubisky's playing well. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Mitchell. My lock of the week this week is the Tennessee Titans minus seven and a half at the Houston Texans. What does that say, Tennessee? Uh, know, just or, jocking in the play in the higher seed and higher seed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for me, my lock of the week is going to be the Rams plus one hosting the Arizona Cardinals. I have said this year that I think the Rams are a dark horse Super Bowl candidate, and then they proceeded to like lose like six out of seven. Did games. you know Jared Goff is out? Is he out? He has a broken thumb. Oh Jesus Christ! He's had surgery. Who's in? Shit, they're back up. I don't think it matters. I don't think golf is like. I think McVeigh runs that whole offense. So if you can get someone to just yeah, listen, but McVeigh's not throwing a pass. I I think I'm still taking the Rams. But Kyler Murray might be out as well. I'm still taking the Rams. All right. I'm taking the Rams plus one. I was gonna take Green Bay, but fuck that. I'm taking the Rams plus one. Lock of the week. Locker in. Okay. Now that we have finished our locks of the week and discussed our pathetic Lions and our surging Bills. Let's move into everyone's favorite part of the show, Over Under. If you don't know what Over Under is, uh, my buddy Jerry, who used to be called the fat accountant from Cleveland, we don't call him that anymore, he is now the Over Under specialist and Red Wings, uh, what is it, coordinator? Something like that. That's what he wants me to call him. Uh, He sends me a list of 10 items, person, place, things, ideas. Me and Jay, you have never seen the list. We go through it and we discuss if it is over or under rated so jay you ready to do this oh yeah can we get clapping sounds for over under? we can do clapping yeah Yeah. we can do clapping like yeah yeah we'll just i'll get i'll get some things it's like over under yeah i just had like yeah i just had a half hour to my editing that's fine so here we go (laughs) so uh jerry rubino sent me the list here lgrw as he always lists it number one on the list you want to go first or second i'll go first all right here we go number one migos overrated yeah i'm gonna go overrated uh i don't really know any other songs that well i don't know that many I just don't like mumble rap. Yeah, me neither. The rap that goes like, hup, 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 hup. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. All the beats sound the same to me. Uh, this is going to offend Jerry for sure. He's a huge Migos fan. It's like half of his brand. <laughs> he loves being like the Migos rapper from Cleveland. Cleveland? That's an account. Instead of MGK, Machine Gun Kelly? Uh, I hate Machine Gun Kelly. Why? Because he got in a beef with Eminem? 100%. Stay loyal till I die. <laughs> uh, Migos, overrated as hell. Sorry, Jerry. Music sucks. Number two. Number two, I'll change my tune on this one. I'm going first. Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy, underrated. Uh, I feel like when I go and listen to old school rap, I don't put on Jeezy. But if I ever do remember to put him on, his shit fucking slaps. And he was like a hard-ass motherfucker when I was like late in high school, early college. No, I, I definitely remember in locker rooms, uh, people going over the top five rappers. And Jeezy's been on a lot of people's list. I think Jeezy's underrated. Soul Survivor, amazing. Welcome back. My president is black. Those songs were jams. The Snowman. Right? The Snowman. People forget. All right, number three. Look at this. This is ridiculous. Here we go. Uh, Gucci Mane. And then he goes, last one I promise. With Eminem at number one, that's my top four. Okay, gotcha. And, that's, think, and that's that's three plus four. Top four. Okay, got it. So Gucci Mane. I think Gucci's, uh, that's a tough one. Didn't they just have a versus Gucci versus Yeezy? 
They've always hated each other. Yeah. They, they, they've been yeah, like... Yeah, I think Gucci's uh, definitely overrated. Yeah, I, I would definitely... Like, if I was picking between the two, I would I would pick Jeezy 10 out of 10 But times. you're not picking between the two. Exactly. And I'm going to say Gucci Man is overrated. Okay. Yeah, Are you like, writing these down? What? No, I'm not. I, I just... Yeah, I guess I could go through them and remember. We've been agreeing on all of them. That's true. That's true. So we're, we're agreeing on all of them. Uh, but yeah, no, I, you do this every week, and I do forget uh, to write over or underrated. Okay, so number four, uh, Henrik Ludquist. Henrik, oh, go ahead. He, he just had that lung. That's why Jerry put it there because he had that uh, that open heart surgery. Um, see, you call him. See, this is the problem right there. See, because you never played uh, roller hockey like you know <laughs> I did. So us in the roller hockey, we we'll call him Henri. Okay. <laughs> you know, Henri Lundqvist. You're more, you're more cultured than I am. Too. Yes, I am. So he's definitely um, definitely uh, underrated. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, like, this would be pretty ridiculous. I mean, the guy's an absolute legend. He's a beauty. Like, I was rooting for him to win his Stanley Cup on the way out. You mm-hmm. know, it was a heartbreaking scene to see him kind of on the bench um, in his last game in New York. And then, he, you know, he goes to a new team. There's no way I'm ever going to call this guy overrated. He's very underrated. Um, and I wish him the best with his open heart surgery. It's It's like... I don't want to call it tragic news, but it's 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 more bad news of 2020. I'll right, put, I'll, exactly. put it, I'll put it that way. Exactly. All right, number five, 2021 New Year's Eve. Um, I think it's yeah, it's me. So I'm going to say New Year's Eve in general is overrated. Uh, but I guess it's different this year since there's no pressure to do plans. No one's going out. Uh, we're staying in. So actually, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say it's underrated. I'm going to say spin zone, it's underrated. Normally, I think New Year's Eve is very overrated, but since there's no pressure to do anything or go anywhere, I'll just be chilling, which is I never regret just chilling. So I'm going to say it's underrated. I think all New Year's Eve's overrated. So Okay, well, there's it, there's it for that. No explanation <laughs> further than that. Uh, number six, Jay, would love to hear your opinion. I think I know it. Soccer, over underrated. I think soccer's uh, underrated. Uh, I think every kid. I played soccer all the way till ninth grade. Um, if I had a boy, um, or well, we're gonna have a girl, but um, <laughs> boy, to play every every kid that plays football should play soccer because it's great for your footwork. It's great for your uh, endurance and everything like that. I, I love watching soccer. Love the World Cup. I think that's one of the most exciting sporting events. Uh, of all time so soccer's uh underrated yeah i'll start this right here and i'll just say i think soccer's underrated too and i've always said to myself at least that of all the sports that i played this would have been the sport i was best at if i stuck with it but i rather have played hockey baseball and football like i i I liked playing soccer a lot i think i would have been the best at this sport because you know i got to deal with you pro athletes talking all the time i want to talk about my sporting (laughs) career a little bit uh but I like to play soccer a lot. It can get a little boring to watch outside of the World Cup. The World Cup is probably the only soccer I actually watch. But I'm not going to dog the most popular sport in the world. Uh, I'm going to say it's underrated as well, especially in America. Definitely. All right, number seven, meal subscriptions. Uh, that one's on me. I am a big fan. We do one meal subscription, uh, and it's HelloFresh. And I'll tell you, I don't like cooking. Uh, but I'm not bad at it if I read instructions. I'll never go into my cupboards and be like, oh, good, we have this, this, and this. I can make this. I'm not creative in the kitchen. I don't do any of that shit. I will read step-by-step how to do something, get the ingredients. I'll make it perfect because I just follow instructions. I'm very good at that. 
That's why I like meal subscriptions because I'm not creative with meals. So they tell me exactly what to make and the meal is creative, but it's in a step-by-step -step format that comes right to my door. So I'm a big fan of meal subscriptions. I'm going to say they're underrated. Uh, I think meal subscriptions are highly overrated uh, because I love Do cooking. Do you like to cook? Yeah. yeah I, in my household, I probably cook 90% of the time. Okay. Don't get me wrong. My wife's a great cook, but I like to cook because my grandmother owned a culinary school. Uh, when I was younger, and I don't cook by directions. I just cook off feel and taste. Love to cook, so meal. I, I'm not a fan of uh, meal subscriptions. Everyone that I know that likes cooking and can make things and is creative do not like meal subscriptions. <laughs> exactly. And guys like me, they're fucking perfect for. <laughs> Number eight. Number eight. Oh, yeah. Mac football. Maction. Tuesday night Maction. Yeah, you kidding me? Tuesday night Maction is very... Very overrated. Oh, I was drawing a U and it's overrated. No, it's overrated. They need to get rid of Tuesday Night Maction. No, they don't. They have three people in the stands. Yep. And, and uh, they love it. They need to get out of, they need to just drop. All the MAC teams need to drop to FCS level. Wow. And play in the playoff system as opposed to, there's no point of them playing in NCAA D1. Western. Went to a pretty big game a few years ago. What was that game? Uh, what they played? Uh, what they played Wisconsin, right? In the Rose, not the Rose. Bowl. Not the Rose. They did not play in the Rose Bowl. What they what they play in? It was a big game. They went the year they went undefeated. It was Corey, not a New Year's Corey Day Davis. Bowl. It was not a New Year's Day Bowl. True, very but, true. But um, it was part of like the Valero Alamo Bowl or something like that. But. No, they need to drop down. Maction and... is underrated. It is hilarious to watch in the middle of the week, and it's football in the middle of the week. And we know our guys, Big Cat, uh, makes Maction very fun. Watching a Buffalo Western game in the middle of the week in the pouring rain is very fun football entertainment because you never know what's going to happen. It's terrible. Maction, baby. It's a, disservice. it's a disservice to the athletes. <laughs> Maction, baby. Number nine. Uh, I'm up first. Qdoba. Um, I will say, I'd say Qdoba is underrated. I like Qdoba a lot. Uh, I feel like Chipotle gets more of the tote. It probably deserves more of the tote, but Qdoba was the first to really bust out the queso cheese. Uh, so that's what had my love of it. And I ate a ton of it in Chicago. So I'm going to say it's underrated Qdoba. Qdoba, very underrated. Uh, shout out to Qdoba and East Lansing. Extra queso oh, yeah. dip on the side. Yeah. They used to sneak me there. It's probably they used to do it, and I felt special. Like, they snuck me <laughs> right, extra right. queso dip, but it wasn't really anything. Love Qdoba. Uh, interesting one to put here at the bottom, but I do respect it, Jerry, especially with the holiday coming up. Ju, you are up first, though, here. Uh, number 10 on the list, Champagne. Oh, Shams guy. Yeah. Every Sunday, <laughs> except for now... That my wife can't in the Culcrick house. We have champagne every single Sunday. You're so bougie. I'm not bougie. It's <laughs> it's it's a thing in the Culcrick house. Every we call it champagne Sunday. That's amazing. Every Sunday we'll either have a bottle, two, three bottles of Hell champagne, yeah. or one glass of champagne. Every single Sunday, yeah, we have champagne. It's our tradition in the Culcrick house. That's so nice. We'll have a glass of champagne. That's beautiful. Celebrate the week. That's beautiful. Yeah. The name of the, my the whole fucking thing I'm running here is Champagne Athletics. The thing's called the Fizz. I wouldn't name it something that's overrated. You drink champagne when you win. Champions drink champagne. It's the coolest drink in the fucking world. Hence, that's why I said we drink it to celebrate the week. Hell yeah. So that was an easy one. I appreciate you sending us out on that one, Jerry. Very creative, too, because it's our last one of 2020. Um, 
And let's recap them real quick. Shit, I almost wrapped it up. Uh, first on the list, Migos. Un- overrate- Migos, overrated across the board. Number two, Young Jeezy, underrated across the board. Gucci Mane, uh, overrated across the board. Number four, Henrik Ludquist, underrated across the board. 2021 New Year's Eve, I said was underrated. Jay said was overrated. Soccer, underrated. Meal subscriptions, I said underrated. Jay said overrated. Number eight, Mac Football. I said underrated. Jay said overrated. Nine, Qdoba. Underrated across the board. And of course, Champagne, the name of this, whatever you want to call it, the account, podcast, everything. It's definitely underrated. Champagne rocks. Champions drink champagne. It's classy. It's fun. It's exciting. uh, And it symbolizes success. So on that note, with Champagne, the last time in 2020, thank you all for listening. I know this year was rough for a lot of people. But there's a lot of things to be happy about, too. So try to focus on those. And let's get back at it in 2021. We'll try to get better every time we do one of these. uh, And we need your help to do so. So if you are listening to this, share this with a friend. Share it on social media. Write us a review. Give us a a star rating, a five-star rating on uh, iTunes, if if you'd be so kind. And uh, don't forget to keep sharing, supporting, and liking. We really appreciate each and every one of you. And we will see you next week and next year. Peace out, 2020. See you guys. Thanks.